Hey there, it's Colette LaBarbera and Bridget Whitney. We are pretty pumped to invite you to eavesdrop while we chat with some of our favorite badasses in and beyond the hockey world. The arena goal horn doesn't blow when people have success off the ice, so we want to blow it here. Did you say blow? Oh, I might have. Claudette likes to rap while eating kale and chewing healthy juice on our way to Super Momit, sell real estate, or change the world one philanthropic moment at a time. Bridge smashes coffee and makes up the words to her favorite songs, needs to set an alarm on her phone for almost every appointment in life because she's always late. She's busy managing her three kids, dancing addiction, and website for pro hockey families. If we lived together, we would high-five each other at 4.45 a.m. when I'm just getting up and Bridget is headed to bed, each a vampire in our own right. Both of us love our families, each other, and our insanely awesome hockey community. So pour yourselves a drink of choice and saddle up because the boys aren't the only ones with stories. Joining us on the podcast today is one of our favorites from our Crowdy days, Kristen Yandel. She's a new business owner, mom of two great little girls, and the better half of Florida Panthers defenseman, and three-time NHL All-Star Keith Yandel. He is the current NHL Ironman with 835 consecutive games played and stands at number four on that list in NHL history. Once you hear her story, you'll realize that she deserves a title like that herself. She's the girl you hope you end up on a team with and the type of friend that leaves a mark on you forever. Hi, Kristen. Hi. Hey, we're laughing already and we haven't even started. (laughs) It's like just seeing your guys' faces uh, apparently makes her laugh. So I know. Oh my God. It just brings back so many memories. Right. Hearing your voice, I'm so excited to chat with you. It's been a long time. We are overdue for a catch up. I know. And because you know what? After like you go from one team to the next, like your life kind of just takes off. And it's so hard to like go back to those years, like with all those people, you know? Well, I was thinking that today, like how, you know, for, you were in Arizona for so long and you were so established and you were so comfortable. And then all of a sudden it was like, boom, gone. And it was like, but how did you, how did you feel with your first movement? Did you love it or? You know, I was, I was devastated, but happy, which is kind of a sad thing to say because I loved Arizona so much and we had just renovated our brand new house. So I was just, excited to be in it and kind of, you know, think that we're going to be here for a long time. But I had two little babies and we were so far away from family on the East coast that that was really hard. And the guy's schedule was hard. So when we got traded to the East coast, it was like, I was so happy, but so devastated because I was so comfortable in Arizona with all of the girls and the team. And I just felt like I knew like, where everything was. And I had like a place for us. Yeah. It's always, it is bittersweet. I feel like everyone kind of feels that way or most of the time, but for you, it is awesome spot. Like you got to go to New York, play for the Rangers. You're close to home. Everyone's there and you've got a couple littles. So, um, it makes it even more special. Right. Exactly. So it was just, um, everyone was so excited for us back home because it was something like when, you know, if they wanted to come visit us in Arizona, they, they had to plan their trip. It wasn't like a quick three-hour plane ride, you know, weekend trip. It was kind of, you know, planned months in advance. And then with New York, I mean, it's just a train ride or a car ride and you're there. I think, I think too, what people don't realize, um, 
And even if you've only played on the West Coast, you don't realize how crazy the travel is for the guys. When you're on the West Coast, you get to the East and the flights are close. There's so many teams concentrated in the Northeast that often it's their home and in bed, you know, at a pretty decent time. They're not flying through the night. It makes a huge difference on your family life, I think, too. For sure. And like some of the cities, they they just took the train that day or they drove, they had car service, like say to Long Island or New Jersey or, um, I mean, Buffalo, they went the night before, but I think Philly, they took the train. I mean, and then they were home by what, 1130, like midnight or something. Which is so cool. It's so different. (laughs) Like sometimes like when Jason played for LA, Oh my gosh, I remember he was gone for 21 days at once, but that was also because of the Grammys. They got kicked out of town for the Grammys. But like, I remember just like some of like the Vancouver, like Vancouver schedules were like, it was, you know, they had, they were home six days in the month of February. Like the travel schedule is so much harder. Yeah. And you just honestly, until you've played on the East, you don't, you just think that it's like that for everyone. And then when you play on the East, you're like, holy shit, it's actually not as bad. It's awesome. We've been, we've been lucky in a lot of cities. I loved this group here in Phoenix though. It was a great, a great crew. And we were only here for two years. You were here for a lot longer. So yeah, I know. Like, we were there, I think for like eight and a half years. Whoa. That added yeah. up quickly. <laughs> but like, and I think too, like when you go through some major life events, you know, like your first pregnancy and like, you know, like it's all those kind of things that really just stick with you and your first trade and all that stuff. Like it's just buying your first home or whatever it all, what, those are the things that really mark market for you. Right. Yeah, I think so. And for, um, and then, you know, when you're having like your first babies and stuff like that, like, you know, you find someone else even on the team, like, or is kind of going through the same thing. So you just click and you just have something in common or you then like your babies are born and you start to do like mommy me classes and, and all those things that you just, you just find your group and you need that when you're far away from your family. Oh, totally. So when, when I first met Bridget, I was pregnant with Easton, which is when you were pregnant with Mila, yeah. right? Mila. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but was, was Kristen as miserable as I was, Bridge? Cause she was pretty sick. <laughs> she was pretty sick. <laughs> I don't recall her spewing hate. If that's what you're asking. <laughs> Cause her head was in the toilet. That's probably why. Maybe she was. Maybe she wasn't around. I did. She didn't have devil horns like you did. Nope. Mine was literally in the toilet, twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week. It was. I thought I was literally dying. Some people have horrific pregnancies like that with sickness, obviously, and it's normal, quote unquote. Was this abnormal? Were you diagnosed with something at that point? No, or I can't they, even remember. I know. So I went, I think, twice for like an IV and like nutrients and things like that. And then, um, you know, kind of like right after the first trimester, it just it just went away. But then the rest of the pregnancy was perfectly fine. But then after, right at the delivery, I delivered Mila and then two weeks into two weeks after I gave birth, like I just didn't feel well. And, you know, you don't really know it's your first baby. So you're kind of like, okay, I mean, am I supposed to feel exhausted? Am I like supposed to feel this crappy? Um, And I had a home, which is kind of ridiculous. I even had a home nurse come to the house to check on me. I went 
went back to the doctors and like, no, you're fine. You're, you're good. It's just the first pregnancy. And then one night I had a spike to fever and I'm like, this is so weird. I'm like, why the hell do I have a fever? I'm like, then I thought like, you know, maybe it's like a UTI of some sort, like, you know, after the pregnancy and the next morning I called my sister who's a nurse and I'm like, okay, I have a fever. I'm like, this just is this something wrong. And she's like, you need to call the doctor immediately. So Keith had gone to work out and then my mom left work and came to see me. And I was literally like, she took one look at me. I was in bed and I was, the baby was in the bassinet next to me and I was just like dead. And she's like, you need to get up right now. We have to go to the emergency room. So we drove all the way to the doctor's office and um, we ended up going in, going to my own doctor's and I'm wait, sitting in the chair and the receptionist is like, you know, just, um, just wait right there. And a nurse came out and I was basically dead on the couch. And she's like, is she okay? Like yelled it across the um, reception area. And my mother's like, no, they brought me in. Like my blood pressure was so low and they rushed me to triage and then they did an ultrasound and I ended up having placenta like inside. And, I'm, and then, you know, they were like, oh, you're all so septic. I'm like, oh, that's great. <laughs> oh my God. Like, oh, something good. I had no idea. It was so bad. Um, and they just basically diagnosed me with placenta accreta where the extra placenta uh, grows into the uterine wall. Okay. Um, I like so they, that. yeah, so they had to emergency surgery. I hemorrhaged, I needed platelets and they were kind of, they told me, like, told me if I had waited another hour, I would have, uh, I would have been dead. Yeah, I, I, I know. I still get chills about what the doctor said to your mom and Keith about who was the strongest. Because I you know. weren't going to make it through the night. Like it's I know. Well, I can't. My, even. my skin is crawling right now. It, it, it's like it's. It was so so bizarre because, you know, all of the almost like the signs were there. Like you know, I, I mean, and you call the doctors and they just. When you, especially like Boston, it's such an amazing place and a hub for uh, healthcare, but at the same time, everybody is here and it's like a baby factory sometimes. So like you kind of, one thing that is for probably nine out of, nine out of 10, the nine is just a normal thing. And that one person is really sick. Yeah. So of course that was me. <laughs> Uh, oddly but it just never ended after that well yeah no kidding poor <laughs> Keith was like oh my god what am I gonna do this, this my wife's gonna be dead and I got this newborn baby that like I gotta deal with well it's crazy and like I, I remember you texting me and I'm like Chris I cannot believe you've been going through this and then I'm like Kate, you're done having babies like that's too much I know. <laughs> and then you didn't I know stop. I know. I, and you know, I, I think that I ended up having Lola because I went to see um, a, uh, a high-risk doctor after that. And um, just to see if like I could get pregnant after or what would be like my chances and things like that. And she said, that obviously there would be nothing, you know, th- there was nothing that um, would stop me from having you know, any more babies. And then I think it was about two months later, I was pregnant. I, I couldn't believe it. She was like, wow, you came back quick. <laughs> wow. So then you're in Boston and you're seeing a high-risk pregnancy. Now tell us about what she discovers. Yeah, is- so I know. So we were, um, so when I was there, I had, you know, one of my ultrasounds and the ultrasound tech, um, you know, sort of saw this mass and she was like, what is that? 
So um, they kind of bring in all the doctors and my doctor eventually is like, you know what, you've, you've had it there before. We saw like a little bit of a blur of something on your um, scan from when you had your appendix out. Um, I think we should kind of maybe do a little bit of investigating. So I'm like, okay. And, and also they had seen it from some imaging from um, when I had Mila and then that whole situation, like they did kind of see something, but I never heard anything up about it. No one said anything to me hmm. and it wasn't until this high risk doctor. And so finally I had the baby and then I went to see, um, uh, I had my MRI and then they referred me to an oncologist. And that's when she was like, honestly, it's really probably nothing. It doesn't have any abnormal features of it. It could be just a cyst. And I just said, you know what, just take it out. I'm, I'm already going through the process, just take it out. And when they took it out, it ended up being, um, this thing that they call a neuroendocrine tumor or like a carcinoid tumor, um, in which they were shocked. They, they couldn't even believe that I had that because it's like a rare type of cancer and it's not normally found anywhere like near your uterus or your ovaries or anything. It's usually found in like your gastrointestinal tract or your pancreas, your liver. So they were shocked. So I immediately had a PET scan, you know, so now I'm freaking out. Now I'm like, oh my God, I have cancer. Like what? Like, oh oh my God. Yeah. yeah, Like you go from thinking they're just taking out a cyst of some sort to now you have, you have this type of cancer. So I had the scan and the scan came back completely clean. So I was like, so relieved and you know, they basically like they took out this primary tumor and then I just had to go back every three months until like you go three months and then six months to a year. And, um, I was pretty good for, for a while. And then, um, this summer I got like a random pain that just wouldn't go away. And so I said, forget it. Let's just keep, just take me to the ER. I I can't take it anymore. So I go there, they do a CAT scan. They don't find anything, but they said, we see something on your liver. So I'm like, oh God, like, here we go again. Um, And then, uh, so I went back to my doctor and she's like, okay, we're going to do some more scans. We'll do a PET scan, all this stuff. And um, sure enough, they did see some other you know, masses in my ovaries and outside my ovaries that they were like, all right, let's just do surgery. It's probably maybe kind of the same thing. Mm -hmm. So they go in and they took all those out and um, they're like, all right, you're, you're good, but we're going to refer you to this specialist. So I went to the specialist and he's like, I'm going to order this new scan that scans for these type of tumors. Um, And come to find out that the PET scans that I was getting all those other years, they don't show these type of tumors. So when I got so they've been growing this entire time. Exactly. Oh my god. So now I got this new scan and they showed that I have tumors from my neck to my pelvis. Kristen, what I know. So that was like like, you know, you kind of catch your breath and you're like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. And it makes you a little angry because you're like, okay, like you know, it's a new, it's a rare cancer and it's even rarer for them to find it where they did find it originally. Um, but it's like such, it's not like a big named kind of, I guess maybe in their world it is, but not like, it's not like breast cancer or like prostate cancer or something that you hear all the time. Um, so I feel like, 
because like of the new classification of these carcinoid tumors and, and things like that, that, you know, primary care doctors and other doctors, like they don't flag them right away. And so since this scan is only, it's new, it's only been around in the U.S. for three years. Like, so I guess even in the beginning, they wouldn't have had it. But then like, given my history, like I wish someone had said like, you need to have this type of scan for this type of, of cancer. Right. And maybe could have found it a little bit because obviously I can't have surgery everywhere, you know? Um, well, yeah. So, and, and what are, is that what they're suggesting? Like to just... Yeah. So this type of cancer doesn't really, it's not, um, so the, the reason why I didn't show up on those regular PET scans is because it's not an aggressive cancer. It's a very, very slow growing cancer. So, um, a regular PET scan doesn't show that they show like, you know, lymphoma or breast cancer that's just grows so quickly. So this type of cancer, um, doesn't respond very well to chemo or radiation. So surgery is the best um, source of treatment. Um, so I just had another surgery, like that they removed, um, as many, as many as they could. So I still have some other ones, um, you know, that maybe we'll have to, to go in later on if they get too big. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now they're, they're stable and some haven't grown in years. Um, there's also like shots I can do every, every month, um, that would stop them from grow- growing. It wouldn't kill them. Um, but there is there is one drug that it, it is a chemo drug, but um, it has like a very high percentage of like developing pre leukemia. So my doctor was like, "You're still young. You're still pretty healthy. We honestly don't want to do that to you." Um, so it's kind of like you know, I don't feel. I mean, it's it's strange because I have stage four, which so it's obviously grown and spread to other areas but I don't look sick. I don't look and feel sick, which is scary. Um, but obviously I am. Um, so it's, it's hard. And, it, and I try to like pretend it, like it's not even there. I, I think it's the best way for me for right now. And, you know, like until I have to really cross that bridge with the kids and, you know, and kind of have that conversation with them and, you know, and you know, I don't really want to ask like the doctor, oh, like how long do I have to live? You know, I don't think you really want to ask that. Oh, Chris, no. like I can't, I can't, I can't, like I have I, no clue. Like I know. I know, me neither. What we had texted the other day and, and then you said right. something about seeing an oncologist. I was like, wait, what are I you know. talking about? I know. And it's because it's such a slow growing cancer that, um, you know, it's, it's just like this waiting game kind of in when you watch it really and it's kind of like um they said basically i have to treat it like a a long-term disease of like say like diabetes or or some something like that like you just have to constantly watch and i have to like so right now every three months i have to fly to boston um but if it gets too much where i have to do the shots which thank goodness i'm not there yet um but i can go they have a really good um neuroendocrine tumor um, uh, kind of a, not a foundation, a center, like in Moffitt, uh, I mean, in Tampa, it's the Moffitt Cancer Center. So, okay. The way you're, de- I mean, who can navigate this? You, <laughs> only know. someone in it can. I know. And you know, like it. they always say like, you know, you hear a lot, like people say like, oh, one day at a time, but you know, for something like this, like you, you, you can't really say one day at a time because 
you know, you have moments in your day that are just like literally just like they, they, it brings you to your knees. And then there's other parts of that day that you're so happy and you're out like just loving life. So it's like, you just have to take them like in little moments, you know, or, or like, I guess, I don't know, maybe hours, you know, because the whole day isn't lost, you no. know, but yeah. there are yeah. those, those times where it's devastating. You know, absolutely. Like, I know you're, I know you're very religious. Like, do you find comfort in your faith? Like, is that how, like, what gets you through? Yep. So, um, I mean, I went to Catholic school. I grew up in, you know, Boston, Irish Catholic uh, (laughs) neighborhood. Um, so, you know, you, I had to go to Catholic school my whole life. And then like, you know, as you, I feel like you get older, I was kind of like, you know, not as religious, you know, you don't, when you're a kid, you're forced to go to church. And then you're just like in college, like you're not waking up from a Saturday night going to church. <laughs> but, you know. You're I just praying that your hangover is going to pass quickly. <laughs> yeah, I'm lucky I can get out of bed. Get the Gatorade, never mind, get myself dressed to go to church. Oh, but I feel like when Mila got sick and then... um and then this whole thing came on. It just, I kind of found my way back there. Yeah. And it, it's, it's so crazy, but like every time I go, it's, I mean, people must think I'm a nut job, but like the second I get there, the second they start, like, it's the, I te- like it's, I, I cry every single time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not like I'm like begging God for like to save my life. I'm just like, begging him to like, allow me to like enjoy my kids and my life now, you know, like while I still can. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think it's so important though, to talk about it. Like one of my girlfriends just got diagnosed with breast cancer and it pushed me to go get some exams that I just wasn't feeling like super comfortable with like a result. And, right. you know, I just feel like you got to kind of just got to remind people like, Hey, you know, your body and if something doesn't feel right, like, please go check, just go get Honestly, it off your mind. Exactly. 100%. My biggest thing to people, like, you know, you you have to, um, you have to be your own advocate and you have to just, you know, if something's off or if you like have a friend like that or a family member, it just, you know, you can't put it off. Like, it's just nothing like your health. Like you have to just do your routine checks, get your physicals and, and kind of just maintain that because you're never, you never know. Like, like, especially for like this type of cancer, it's often misdiagnosed all the time. And, um, if you don't follow up because like, you know, when you, when you know your own body, like you could miss it. And a lot of times people, they do, they don't, they end up being like 50 years old before they find this. So you said you've been, um, are you going to church more regularly? Not that you have to walk into a building to feel close to God, but do you find that you're doing it more because it gives you it makes you feel, um, yeah, I don't know, so I go, surrounded with prayer, I guess. Yep. I go every Sunday. Um, the kids are, they do their CCD. Um, so sometimes I'll take them before like the 9am so they can go or, um, but they get bored, you know, they're little, like it's sometimes, you know, and then you're more looking at them, giving them the evil eye and then you're silently praying to God to give you patience to deal with them. <laughs> <laughs> You know, or like I'll just I'll go when like they're you know in uh, in class, and it just it's nice because it's just you know me and and my thoughts and God and you know and you hope that maybe the big man's listening upstairs and 
can can help out a little bit, you know, throw me a bone. If, uh, <laughs> totally. Do you exactly. believe it? Do you believe in all like the diet changes and everything? Like, have you tried any, anything like that? So for me, like this type of cancer um, is because it's neuroendocrine cancer. Um, the endocrine cells are your hormone cells. So what I found, which is so crazy, it's from food to um, you know, health, um, like beauty products, there are so many chemicals in those products that are hormone or endocrine disruptors, mm-hmm. you know? So I just wonder like, oh my God, if I've been basically exposing myself all these years to these endocrine disruptors that have caused these hormone cells to like duplicate and, you know, kind of duplicate too fast and which causes them to, to grow these, these tumors. So that aspect, I've gone completely um, like all natural and even for my kids because, you know, there is this gene that you can have that develops um, rare tumors in like in the, like near the uterus or in the ovaries. um, And I carry that gene. So for my kids, um, you know, I want to make sure that they're not kind of exposing themselves either but for food um it's so hard because you know I, I follow that blood diet that's kind of the diet for you know your blood type have you ever heard of it yeah no i haven't so it's awesome and it like i feel so much better when i'm on it like you know i, I feel like it just it works for me and a lot of the things that i'm not supposed to eat um is also the things that someone with this type of cancer shouldn't eat either um, because this type of cancer, because it's commonly found in like your gastrointestinal, um, area, you know, you have to be really careful, like how much fiber intake you have or like, you know, heartburn issues, like with tomatoes and things like that. So, um, you kind of just have to be a little bit more conscious, you know, for yourself, um, with this type. So I found that that diet kind of helps cause it, my blood type works for it kind of checks yeah. off all those boxes. So, yeah. That's awesome. I actually, the more you're talking about this, I, um, my dad had a very slow growing cancer when I was like 19. Um, and it was, I feel like it was this cancer. I don't remember the name tagged to it, but it was very slow growing and it was in his small intestine and it wrapped itself around itself. And so it was blocked in there which was, it would probably saved his life. Like finally, when they figured out what it was, they could just cut that chunk of the intestine out with the tumor and rejoin it. But like everything that you're saying, I'm like, I wonder if this is the cancer he had. And and then my dad's, he never had to have chemo. He never had to do anything. He went back for appointments. He's still living today. um, That's awesome. Feeling good. Like, I don't know. I, I just feel like I have to share was. that story because I feel I like know. there is hope. Like this is exactly. This is, uh... And you know what? I wonder if it was because it used to be classified as like carcinoid syndrome or carcinoid tumors, where like they just didn't think that these type of tumors were would because they were so slow growing that they weren't going to, um, you know, like they didn't want to put them in like a different category, I guess, with like other, you know. Um, other cancers, but now they like they've reclassified it as this neuroendocrine tumor, and I wonder if that's exactly what he had. Yeah, I'm gonna have to um, go back and ask my mom. Yeah, you've just been yeah. so thankful that it was like a story of yesterday. You know, like it's. I know, and that's what I'm like. You know, I'm hoping that 
you know, I'm going to be that, you know, right. one of the lucky ones. That you can- will be. You yeah. will be. You have to be. <laughs> We we need you in your we need you in your Boston accent round forever. <laughs> yes, we do. I, I, love told that. I, I told Keith I would come back and haunt him if I went too early. <laughs> oh my god, you would totally say that. <laughs> uh, so, church is helping you. You've changed kind of your diet. You um, your I mean, your days like yeah, you I said, you're is it kind of like going with your enjoying the moments and getting through all the moments, like. What else keeps your yeah. mind strong? What do you What are you What are you doing for yourself? So um, I play tennis, so I'm on a tennis team, um, and that you know it's like Keith laughs at me. I act like it's like you know the professional league. Well, you know? <laughs> I'm sure it is. Of course, of course Keith yeah. laughs at you. <laughs> In my world, it's professional. Um, no, but I it's love fun it to be competitive. Play. It's fun to be competitive though. We have it too. So it's, oh I love god. that. Should, oh, oh my God. You need to play against these old ladies. Oh <laughs> my God. They cheat. They, <laughs> oh no, no. <laughs> oh my God. They are brutal. I'm like, that ball was in. They're like, no, it wasn't. I'm like, I, yeah, yeah, it was. Like, and I'm like, oh my I God. would, Kristen, I would love to see you go toe to toe with a bunch of old ladies. Like oh, that would honestly oh make my, my life. <laughs> I oh think that's God, the thing what? in Florida. When we played in South Florida, I started playing tennis too. This was a long time ago. <laughs> I played there in 97. I started playing tennis. I was hooked. And I would come home and say the same thing to Ray. I'd be like, what the <laughs> fuck with these old ladies? She's wearing green glasses. And sometimes I'm just like, fuck it. Fine. Take it. Just There's a nightmare. Yeah. Bastards. I'm like, really? I'm like, okay. And then like, I go there and I'm like, so confident. I'm like, Oh my God, she's a hundred. I'm like, we will crush her. And then they're so old. They're like, they know exactly where to place the ball. They know exactly how to play you. And I'm like, oh my God, I just lost that 90 year old lady. Oh my God. Yeah, just, I hear you because they know catch. Yeah, it's true. They're deceiving because they know they've played for so long. They know where to place it. They can run you the all yeah. over the place. And then they freaking give you the high lobs and you're exactly. running around like a maniac and they're collecting the points. Exactly. There's a lot to be learned from these. Uh, yeah, exactly. So after a couple seniors. of those, I just, I stopped judging the old lady. Yeah. I agreed. <laughs> I got my lesson in that too. They're ruthless, obviously. <laughs> oh my God. That's no, going to be, that's going to be you one day. That will be you one day. With your accent and just so old. <laughs> I know. They probably can't understand me anyways when I'm talking to them. It <laughs> might be the problem. <laughs> so you've got your tennis. Are you playing pairs or singles? Uh, yeah, doubles. Yeah. Doubles. Mm-hmm. Yep. So um, like I have an amazing group of friends I, I've met through my kids in like, you know, school and sports. Um, so I'm always with them. Like, you know, because it's kind of... You know, um, I'm older. I won't say my age, but uh, I'm I'm definitely older. So um, you're younger than I'm me. Just, yeah. <laughs> so just, we're we're going kind of the, through the same things right now in our lives. So it's a little bit easier. Um, but I do try to stay connected as much as I can with the younger girls. <laughs> but Kristen, you you guys have lived in some amazing hockey cities. Which one was your favorite? Oh gosh. Um, oh my God. I don't know. I can't peg. What if they're listening? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we're not talking about the fans. Everybody, I even have a hard time with that okay, too. Yeah. I feel like 
have favorite parts about different cities you know I think that um I I honestly love them all in their in their own way like I, like I really like you know I think Arizona was so great because I feel like we ha- we could have our own life outside of hockey because it's not like the biggest hockey market. Mm-hmm. So you can send, you know, I could send Keith to the grocery store. I can send him on all the errands and not have to worry about, you know, nonsense. So I felt like we could kind of have like a... <laughs> I know what you mean though. He didn't have to walk around with his uh, gambling outfit on shades and a, and a hoodie. Exactly. So I feel like we could have like our life and, you know, kind of start out and have our, our babies and kind of just feel like we're no, normal people. Um, and I think then obviously there was like the whole other issue with like no owner there. That w- that was really hard and, and mm-hmm. really I think stressful because you, there was so many years we didn't know where we were going to be. Yeah. yeah. You know? And I think a lot of people don't realize that with Phoenix or if you're in a situation where the league owns the team, every year is just so uncertain and everybody's kind right. of on eggshells wondering, Am I, are we moving next year? Are we all moving? What? And, right. and then you, when you're here for a long time, especially here in Phoenix, I mean, that question was posed every year for like probably the entire every, time we were here. So that's right. a lot and to then carry. That's why we, that's why we also didn't buy a house for so long because right. we didn't know where we were. And then all of a sudden we were like, no, we're going to be here. And that's, you know, we got the new owners and it was like, okay, great. We're finally going to buy our house and shipped off to New York. <laughs> off to New York. <laughs> well, again, no. And I think like, I get what you mean by like all the different, like other like teams contribute something to being your favorite. Like both Phoenix, it was, for us, it was most like family. We had such a right. great group there. But yeah, the only thing I wished for was like some new food in the wise room, not mystery meat and like those <laughs> really <laughs> tough chicken tenders. <laughs> but other than that, it was I great. <laughs> Honestly. And then you go, so that was like another thing. You went from a team, uh, the league owning your team to basically getting like a cracker for freaking the lunch. <laughs> there. And then you go to New York and every like period they were changing the food. I was like, this oh is God. unbelievable. Oh. And I was like, oh wow, we've made it. We oh, really they did that in Vancouver it. too. I wow. loved it. Like we went from LA where like our, we had a lot of one o'clock games and we would have crap and the Lakers would have the 7 p.m. game. So at the end of our game, they'd start turning over the rink and they would take out all of our like furniture out of the wives' room. We're like, we don't even get the same couches as the Lakers. <laughs> well, really? What? Yeah. And then I went to Vancouver and I was like, oh my God, there's an individual coffee cup maker. Like it was my first time seeing a Keurig and I was like, whoa, <laughs> like free alcohol. <laughs> That is unbelievable. No, but I think it was, um, I don't know. I mean, Phoenix will always have a special place for me. Um, I just feel like that was, those were like amazing years for, for us. And, um, New York was, was great. Um, we weren't there obviously as long. And then here it's like a whole new chapter I feel like because I'm just a little bit older and my kids are a little older and um you know sometimes you know it's hard to to keep up with all the the younger girls but they're so great we have such a great group here um and you know they kind of keep me young I feel (laughs) and sometimes I'm like I have to ask them I'm like wait what is that 
like, you know, something like that's new or I feel like I'm just ancient. Oh, they got really. you. They, you got to use those ones to keep you trendy. <laughs> yeah. Like, should I buy these shoes or not? And they're like, whoa, abort, abort. <laughs> like, oh, God. Like, no. <laughs> don't, don't come to the game in those. <laughs> yeah, they're like, or like when we were like, we were out for someone's bachelorette or whatever, we went out. I'm like, all right, I, I'm sitting in shotgun. I, I'm doing the music. And they were all laughing at me. They're like, that was like circa 1980, Kristen. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, um, oh, it's a throwback party. It's a throwback. <laughs> yeah, you're like, return of the Mac will never get old. Thanks. <laughs> oh, my God. I was actually blaring Bieber, I think it was. So it wasn't oh, the 80s. But they were like, no, that was even too, that was like not even hip for them. Kristen, oh no, you're falling apart. (laughs) Seriously, I'm like, oh man. You know what? There's a lot to be said, though. I think that um, I think it's cool when there's different ages, and I agree they do keep you young. And I, I, I'm still like trying to hang out with the 30 year old. (laughs) Hey, so you have like another interesting connection too. Your sister is married to Keith's brother. Is that right? Do I have this right? Yeah. No. uh, Yes. Yep. So that's how Keith and I met. Okay. So, so how did that all come down? When did, when did you guys meet? So we met, um, it was like Memorial day weekend and my sister was, um, and her husband, um, they were at a, um, cookout anyway. So she, I was like texting her, Oh, what are you guys doing? She's like, Oh, we're at a cookout. Why don't you come? I'm like, no, I'm good. No, thanks. <laughs> I'll just do something else. And so anyways, finally I was like, all right, I'm coming fine. All right. I have nothing else going on. So I ended up going to meet her and she's, I get there and she's like, Oh, I'm leaving. I'm like, what? I'm like, I literally just got up, finally got dressed. And now you're leaving me. Like, you've got to be kidding me. So, so Keith doesn't even actually at this party now. Like, so I knew a couple of people, we had some mutual friends. So I'm like, you know, all right, everyone's going to like the bar. I was like, all right, fine. Sure. I'll go. And so we get there and we were, um, I didn't know anyone else other than a couple of people that I went with. And then, um, Keith and I was like, Oh, Hey Keith. Like, obviously I know him cause he's Brian's brother. And so anyways, I'm like, Oh, Hey Keith, like, how are you? Blah, blah, whatever. And he's like, Oh, he was like, he says like, he was not feeling well, thank God, because God only knows what he would have been doing in that suite that we were in. <laughs> <laughs> So like we're chatting a little bit, blah, blah. And then, um, you know, hanging out. And then I left, I went home and I get like this text message the next day asking like, Hey, do you want to hang out? And I'm like, who the hell is this? Like, <laughs> like, Hi. I, I, he's like, Oh, it's Keith, Brian's brother. I'm like, Oh, Hey, like, what do you want? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and he's like, I just want to know if you wanted to take our nephew um, to the, uh, like to the zoo. Stop. Like, he's, he's playing house with you for the first date. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. He's like, let me show her how good I am with the nephew. Let exactly. me show her what I made of. Wow. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, uh, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. I sure. So, so I agree to like, take him to, to go on this like date, I guess. Um, you know, and it's kind of like so wild that I was even like, sure. So he picks me up and I'm like, uh, where's little B? He's like, Oh, Joanna wouldn't let me take him. So it's just, me <laughs> Oh, even better. Oh, he dangled the fruit and then took it back. Bait and switch. Like, Holy. 
<laughs> yeah. So he's like, I wasn't, he's like, he's like, I knew she would never let me take them. So I figured I'd just ask you to go on this pretend date and we'd actually go on a date. <laughs> oh Wait, God. did you check in with your sister though? Were you like, Hey, so I guess we're taking, um, no. Oh my God. No, I did. I was like, I wouldn't tell anybody. <laughs> no. <laughs> you didn't think your nephew was going to maybe tell his mom. Uh, you know what? No, I just, I was like, I think I'm, I probably said to him, don't tell anybody because I think I was just like, oh God, this is not going to end well. This is going to be bad. Okay. So, so go I, to the zoo without your nephew. Without my nephew. And like, I mean, if you know Keith, you just know how funny he is. So he's just, obviously he's just hilarious. So we had a good time, but I'm like, I don't know. Like this isn't going to work out. Like your brother is getting married to my sister. This could end bad. All these ridiculous thoughts are going through my head. And finally, um, we had gone on a couple of dates and his mother kept asking, like, where are you going? Like every night, like around this time, like dinner. And he's like, oh, I met somebody. And she's like, yeah, I, obviously I know you met someone. You haven't stopped smiling since like Aww. whatever. Um, and then he's like, it's Joanna's sister. And I think his mother probably had a heart attack and was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> So, um, we kind of like dated for a little while and I, everybody knew except everybody knew. I didn't think anybody knew. Oh yeah. So you thought you were sneaking around the best. Yep. For sure. I definitely thought I had the best kept secret and nobody knew, but it was not the case. And I was like, this is just probably going to end soon. And I think, I think it was like one of my friends was like, like, why don't you just get out of your own way and just like kind of embrace it? And I was like, huh. All right. Cause he was like so funny. He's just, you know, like just the way he is, he's just so sensitive and sweet. I mean, he's a pain in the ass too, but <laughs> <laughs> that's great he's advice hilarious. though. Get out of your own way. Get yeah. out of your own way is great advice. Yeah. Like and then the rest is history, I guess. Oh my God. So did you then tell your sister? Were you like, or did she know I think she, she one of the ones that Yeah, came? I think she we were at somewhere and she's like, you do know I know you're like dating Keith. And I was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know anything. Can't prove it. <laughs> so it wasn't a double wedding then? You guys didn't jump on board and like just do No. It. I think I was like, because I'm a older than Keith. So I think I was more, um, I was trying to like be respectful of like my sister, like, because that was her, going to be her future in-laws. I didn't really want to like cause... Yeah. A big breakup, and then my sister hate her new brother in law. You know, I think I was kind of just being a little cautious. But when my friend said that, I'm like, I really need to get. He's just, I, I mean, I enjoyed the company with him, and you know, we kind of just clicked. I, I, I love can that, see that. And, I, and I love that you're older than him. Like, he still got it, Kristen. He still got <laughs> yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, he's such, he's, a, like, he's such a great dancer. Oh my god. Oh. He, do you know this about him? He can move. He oh, can. Yeah. He he does have some good moves. He's probably uh, probably hasn't done it in a while. Maybe he's getting old. Mm. But <laughs> you're gonna have to ask the young guys in the locker room because actually I remember Ray always saying that Keith was kind of one of the ones that was controlling oh, yeah. the sound system, and he would groove around in there. And then the reason I know he's a good dancer is because we always had the young guys over for Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. You know, they were flying solo. We had the single guys and uh, we're Canadian Thanksgiving or if Christmas actually it was Christmas Eve. Yep. He came for Christmas Eve to our place a couple of times. So. Right. Um, and couldn't he do the Dougie too? Did he do the Dougie at your house, Bridge? I don't know. He's just so, I probably have video <laughs> of it. 
<laughs> with uh, my kids. He was dancing with not only that, he was like, just boosted him to the top of my list anyways, because he was <laughs> dancing with my kids. So Kristen, other things we need to catch up on because it's been so yes. long. You started an interior design business. I did. Yes. When? So, um, you know, I always kind of love doing it, but you know, it's just, just, you're so busy with kids, obviously. So I, um, took a ton of classes, um, online with Parsons in New York. Cool. Yeah. So I just, cause I didn't, I'm like, and not like an overachiever, but like, I can't say that I'm good at that unless I know I'm good at it. Yeah. Like I just have to do the research. I have to know that I can back it up with like the knowledge. Mm-hmm. So I like wouldn't do it without having a base <laughs> of something. So um, I met some, a friend down here who is also super passionate about it. She owns her own company um, doing other things. Um, uh, so we kind of teamed up and we just started it. Good so it's, it's, it's brand new. Like, so we're working on our website and, you know, like the marketing materials and all that stuff and um, really kind of trying to get that set first before we can really like kind of launch it right. like, officially. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. So we just kind of, um, help, I'm helping one of the girls on the team right now. And then like we have uh, surprisingly a bunch of our friends, um, all decided to buy houses and renovate their houses. So we're like helping them, which is great. It's, you know, good experience for us, you know, and, and they're our friends so they can be brutally honest. Yeah. And they're trusting you. It's not like you're trying to screw them over. Sometimes I think a little worried about percentages or whatever. Yeah. And honestly, and right now where a lot of it, we're doing just kind of like art for free a little yeah. bit right now. Well, yeah. Because like, well, you can build a resume that way. Like and a, that's kind of what we're doing. Yeah. So they can see. A good part. Yeah. And then like, yeah, because it's kind of hard to, you know, go into something and, you know, and get clients without having that portfolio. Just, tar- just charge the hockey players double when you get going. <laughs> make, make up for it. <laughs> This is, I know that all of a sudden they will be like, oh, we're not using her. She's just too overpriced. <laughs> you know what though? I think this is a great, um, it's a great career for someone in this world too, because there's also a lot of young guys that don't necessarily have the time to go um, right. pick out their stuff and they just want someone to do it for them. Like they can be like, yeah. I look, like the look of this. Can you just help me out? And again, you're someone trusted. They're going to be comfortable with you possibly going into their place when they're gone. You know, like, I think right. it's, uh, I think it's a really great gel with. I think so. And vibe. a lot, it, you know, if they go and hire someone that's outside of their world, like they're going to give them proposals that are just, you know, astronomical. Like the prices are just ridiculous. They're all custom furniture. And a lot of these guys, like they don't need custom furniture, like in these houses because they're eventually going to be in some other city. Yeah. They, you know, in, and you, you can need transitional, you kind of always need transitional furniture. Right. And, you know, and it will and get furniture, either you want to sell with the house that's, you know, you're not going to break the bank on or furniture that you, yes, you do want to invest in that is custom, but you have to take it with you. Right. So like we kind of have that, a little bit of that background knowledge to, to share with them versus like some of these young guys, like they just get their paycheck and like, they don't know and they just spend it like, cause some designer tells them to spend it. You know, they don't really know. And that's what, like, honestly, I wish we would have had someone like you when we bought in Scottsdale because, I mean, we didn't 
end up loving our stuff. And again, like we had to sell the house with most of it. Um, right. You know, like the, well, I mean, obviously the houses there are much bigger than the houses here. So we couldn't bring like the dining room table. It would never would have fit right. here. <laughs> well, that's the thing that happens. Sometimes like you go from like, look at us, like we were in Scottsdale and then we went to an apartment in New York. Right. I mean, all that furniture had to go like to, to Boston and we made the mistake that's kind of how like I know this for these the younger players and stuff like we had custom drapes put in and we had you know custom furniture and and just I mean I put a brand new kitchen that was my dream kitchen and and I what I got to spend two months in it I think <laughs> lucky and we had to sell a lot of it too like we yeah. had to sell you know and you don't really get sort of some of your money back on those type of things. No. You know, because if you sell your house at a certain price point, they're expecting certain things to be left behind, like say like custom drapes or, you know, whatever it is and things like that. So God. well, that sounds like perfect for you, Kristen, because like you get it, like you understand the lifestyle and the choices that come with buying all this stuff. So I have a fun little just question for you. Um, what have you always wanted to do, but haven't, do you have something on your bucket list? I always wanted to go to um, Scotland, and um, Keith is taking me there in July. Oh, awesome. Yep. Just so the that two is, of you? Um, and no, we're going to go with uh, another couple uh, friends of ours um, here. So Keith and I are, I think it's our yeah 10-year anniversary, and she is, uh, our friend is turning 40, so it's big things for for both of us, so. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So that's, I mean, other than that, I think, um, I think, I don't know, travel probably would be the, the biggest thing for me. Things I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, a, that's a good idea. I love to travel. And I think you've said this before. Keith doesn't love it. And neither does no, he. No, he doesn't. Neither yeah. Jason. No, they, like he wants to stay put like anytime he, he just wants to be home. Like even in the summer. Yeah. And I, I want to be like off jet setting around the world. And he's like, not a chance. No yeah. way. No, like even like Bridget, like for weddings, like I would go and be like the 11th wheel because I <laughs> doesn't want to go. And Bridget and Ray never went. <laughs> I should have been going. What the hell? Why, why was I sticking around? I don't know. I, I would know. legitimately the seventh wheel, the fifth wheel, the third wheel, the 11th wheel, like every, every wheel. I've been all the wheels. <laughs> Ray was probably worried about me. I don't know. Dancing the night away with everybody else. Right. <laughs> he's like, you're not going anywhere. Yeah, he's like, nah, I've seen you at a wedding. You're not going to a wedding without me. <laughs> oh my God. We always uh, have the, good, the best times with those things it. anyways. I love that we got to catch up with you. Um, clearly it's been too long. I know. I know yeah. you're going well, through a lot, but I, I also love that you, I don't know, you're rolling forward and your attitude is awesome. And, um, I just love you. Yep, that's love thank you. you. I love you guys. Thank love you for you. having me. Thanks for hanging out. You've been listening to Our Hockey Life with Codette LaBarbera and Bridget Whitney. Join us next week when we get to introduce you to another great hockey friend. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Our Hockey Life and at Codette LaBarbera.